You're listening to the Bible in Real Life podcast with Lee Fulford, where questions about the Bible meet real life. Hello, hello, hello. This is Lee Fuller, and you're listening to the Bible in Real Life podcast. I am so excited to have you here today. And, you know, today we're going to get into a topic that I think is so interesting. We're going to be talking about what the Bible says in regards to work. Um, So if you are a Christian or if you are a person that works, (laughs) if you're an adult, if you're a person who is a child and or you're a parent that's wanting to get solid principles on working, then this is the podcast for you. Again, my name is Lee Fuller. If you're not following us on social media, make sure you check us out on The Bible in Real Life on TikTok, The Bible in Real Life on Instagram. Um, These are places where we go on daily and we share different principles about God's word. All right. So with that said, I am so excited to get into this context because, you know, as I was preparing for this series and and we had an interview earlier, um, we're going to talk about some of the core concepts of work today and probably the next one, we're going to look at our calling and our gifts, right? So in this episode, we're going to look at the perspective of work from a biblical world view. And, you know, if I had to be honest with you, before I went into this study, there was basically a couple ideas that I had about work, right? Number one, you know, 2 Thessalonians 3.10, we command you that if you do not work, neither shall you eat, right? Because I remember growing up as a kid, hey, if you don't work, you don't eat. You don't work, you don't eat. Don't be lazy. You got to go to work, right? And that was my whole philosophy, on working. Hey, you got to work. You know, Bible says work. (laughs) You don't take care of your family. You're worse than the infidel. Go to work. Right. So, and that was really my whole theology around uh, what the Bible had to say about work. But as I got into this and maybe um, as well, as I got into this, I began to see that the Bible really has a lot more to say about work and we start to see examples of of people working in scripture. We see example of God working in scripture, and there are actual actually what the Bible teaches about work. So that's what we're going to get in today. You're tuning to the right episode. Share this with your lazy friends. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, share this with <laughs> uh, maybe. <laughs> Maybe coworkers, maybe those that um, that uh, want you feel should get a a healthy biblical perspective on work. I'm not sure how long this series is going to be, but I do know it's going to be impactful, and I do know it's going to help you um, see what God says about work. So let's get into it, and. When we're building the foundation, I think a very good place to start as we're building the foundation of work is in the book of beginnings, the book of Genesis. So I want to start off by saying that God 
worked. Now think about that. God worked. And I believe he did this for a couple reasons. One, to be an example of what we should be doing, but also to indicate his relationship to productivity and to working, right? Oh, I've started already. No, so um, the Bible opens up. If we open up in Genesis, it says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, right? So right out of the gate, it says that God did something. He created heaven and earth. Listen, I'm all for imagination. I'm all for dreaming big. But here, God um, shows us that he took what was in the mind of God and he created it in reality. There were physical actions or there were, there were literal actions that took place to manifest something or create it in reality. So um, now, what I don't want to indicate is that um, that this was a bad thing. You know, sometimes our theology around work is that work is bad, right? Um, so sometime, and we'll get into what work looks like after the fall, but I want to start off at the very beginning, how God worked. Now, in, in God's creation uh, week, we see that God spoke, right? So he is, he is speaking the world into existence. And you may say, Lee, that doesn't sound like work. Well, you try it, <laughs> right? Um, God takes, uh, he, he takes on the task. He takes on the responsibility. He takes on the position as creator and initiates uh, the creation of the world. So as we're thinking through these concepts, we want us to understand that God decided to do something. God didn't just sit and do nothing. He initiated work. He started the concept. So I think that's first one thing that I want us to realize. And when as we're reading through scripture, we see that and God said, let there be light, right? And God saw the light was good and God separated the light from the darkness and God called the night day. And God said, let the expanse, right? And God made the expanse and separate the water. So we see some activity. We see some working. So at the very beginning, I believe God is showing us his relationship to work is a positive thing. God created. God worked. God was active, right? So not only is there the speaking, because some of you may say, hey, I'm not in a managerial position where all I got to do is talk. <laughs> um, I, you may be in a labor intensive uh, position. You may be in a job where you have to work with your hands. Well, we see in Genesis 2, 7, I thought this was good. The Bible says, God formed man. So when we go to Genesis chapter two, verse seven, we see, then the Lord God formed man 
formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils. There is a physical hands-on activity. I'm going to say that again. I know working is mental, but also for those of us that have physical labor, understand that God shows that there is a there is a holiness, there is a a benefit. Um, there is a God likeness in getting your hands and working with your hands. The Bible says God formed man um, from the dust of the ground. In Genesis chapter two, verses 21, we see God took a rib from Adam. And then the Bible also say, and he closed back up the flesh, right? So these are hands-on activities. These are almost that of a surgeon or a doctor, one that would make the incision, uh, remove the rib, and then stitch or close the flesh back up. So we see God acting uh, in, in, um, in material ways. He's interacting with the material universe. Does that make sense? Right? So he's, he's touching the ground. He's forming man. In um, Genesis 2.8, we see that, and the Lord God planted a garden um in Eden, in the east, and he put man whom he had formed, right? So God plants his garden, you know? So as I'm looking at this, I'm thinking, wow, to see a God that is actively moving things. Yes, he's speaking, but he's actively forming man. He's actively opening man up, removing the rib, closing man up, more of hands-on. He's planning the garden. We see even after the fall in Genesis 3, uh, 21, we see that God made garments for them, right? Uh, To cover them. So we see God actively interacting. So, And I want to encourage those of us that um, not only have, now, not only have a... um, not only have spiritual jobs, right? You know, uh, many times I'll, I'll preach and teach, you know, the word of God and those type of things. And sometimes people only associate those with, you know, work and the, the work of the believer. However, we see God before the creation of man doing work, meaning There is a spiritual aspect. There is a God likeness that occurs when you're working with the material world. When God was digging out the oceans, right? And when God was establishing the world and uh, placing the lighter, um, the moon and the stars in the sky, he's, he's doing a spiritual act. He is working. This is before people. Sometimes we think the only time we're doing a spiritual thing or, you know, God's work is when we're talking to human beings. Before the human beings were created, God would do something. He would have a work day, you know, uh, have a work day. And at the end of that work day, he'd say, this is good. So 
God, from God's perspective, work in itself, the, the creation, the subduing. And we're, we're going to get into um, how God defines work or the work that he actually gave man to do. But the point that I want to make at the very beginning is that God is working with his hands before people. So it's not just interaction with people that makes work valuable. Um, so if you're a sculptor, if you're a painter, if you're an architect and you work with pencils, hey, if you work with numbers all day, you know, you are showing the intention, the intellect, the wisdom, the arts, the um, wholeness of God, right? So you are you are operating within the image of God in your physical work. And I don't want to underestimate that uh, and understate that. Uh, next, we see that um, God called creation good work. Like I said, sometimes it's not just the evangelist or the spiritual work. He's, he's planting trees. He's digging out the ocean. He's separating the light from the darkness. And all this, he stops at the end of the day and say, it's good. God establishes that the work is good. The other thing I want to bring up along this point is not only does God establish that work is good, he places a limit. You know, he says that there should also be a time of rest, right? So, you know, as I as I look at scripture, many times we see a, a distortion, right? Um, God has called us to rest. However, if we take it too far and now we're being lazy, it's a distortion of God's perfect plan. Just like God called us to work. But if it's nonstop work and we never take time to reflect on who God is, if we wake up in the morning and we go from sun up to sundown, just working, 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 working without taking time to pray or to have fellowship with God, then again, we have distorted um, what God intended, right? So there, there should be this time of work and there should be this time of worship. There should be this time of work and there should be this time of rest. And if we go and man loves to do this, we go to the extremes, you know? Oh, I, yeah, we should rest. So I'm never going to work and I'm going to be lazy. Nope, going too far. Yeah, we should work, but I'm never going to rest. Nope, going too far. There should be a time for work and a time for resting. And actually, the ratio looks like it's six to one. I'm just saying, right? <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, you know, I know in the American culture, and I've thought about this. I'm like, in American culture, we, you know, it's common to work five days and rest two right? So you work during the week and you're off for the weekend. Um, you know, and sometimes I've, I've said, you know what, maybe I'll, I'll just add another work day, you know, and work six days and one, at least I'm in line with scripture, <laughs> but, uh, there should be a work time and a rest time, right? So that's point number one. Now, what, um, so what work did God give man at the beginning, and I think this will be instructive for us. So, 
if you pick up the scripture or if you pick up at uh, after the fall, you really have a misconception of what work is. And you may think that, oh man, if I'm working, then that means I'm not doing it right, right? But God gives uh, Adam work prior to the fall. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, we see this. The Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. You see that? So this is Genesis chapter 2. The fall and the temptation and sin into the world and all that happens in Genesis chapter 3. So in Genesis chapter 2, the Lord took man, put him in the garden to work it and to keep it. Uh, those were work really kind of has that connotation of preparing it and tending to it, right? So the environment that we are to live in, the environment um, that we exist in society, um, we are to um, take care of the environment. Do you know that parenting is work, but we are keeping it? We're, we're preparing, we're tending it, right? Even in the Bible, when you have the shepherds and stuff, that nurturing, that is work. They're protecting, they're working, they're feeding, they're nurturing, right? So as believers, the reason we are working is not because we did something wrong. The reason we're working is because at the very beginning, when God created man, he created us to work. He created us to tend the garden, to prepare, to provide, to protect. And one of the reasons that we work today is to provide a home, raise a family, right? Um, we, the Bible says they lived in the Garden of Eden. Right now we live in homes, <laughs> right? And actually today I was well, I had a contractor come out and we were doing some work on the house. And uh, I saw this as a, as, so as I was kind of managing this contract and actually doing some work, um, it's like, man, this is good, right? I'm protecting the family, right? We are nurturing and doing what God intended us to do before the fall, right? So men, Women, um, work is a good thing. He says, uh, and I think this is the first time work is mentioned, you know. I mean, um, well, we see God in his creative work. But he says, hey, man, I want you to work the garden and keep it, right? So, um, and then he says, and the Lord commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of the garden, uh, eat of every tree, but the tree of knowledge is good and evil you shall not eat. So we'll get into that. But um, we see another uh, God elaborates a little more on what he wants man to do, right? Prior to the fall, let's go back to Genesis chapter 1. So Genesis chapter 1, and I'm going to read 26 through 28 for us. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. 
have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over everything that moves on the earth. Okay. Um, so he's saying, Hey, this world that I created, I want you to subdue it. I want you to be fruitful. I want you to fill the earth. I want you to have dominion over it. So when we are exploring, so scientists, as you're exploring different things, <coughs> you are asserting your dominance over the birds of the air and the animals and so forth. When we are turning um, wood and trees into homes and building, we're asserting dominion over the earth as we build houses of worship. So whether you're a contractor, right, whatever, we are doing what God has called us to do. We're being fruitful and multiplying. So this is the work of the family, <laughs> um, but also over the fish and over the sea. Um, God called fishermen, you know, God called farmers and different ones. They would assert their dominance over the fish and using uh, the fish to provide for their family, right? I was listening to a preacher and the preacher said that how um, God didn't necessarily create, what is it? God didn't necessarily create homes. He created trees, right? So we use what God created to improve on it or to work with it, right? So that we showing that we have dominion. I was looking at, now this is what I thought was interesting. <clears throat> um, in the modern day, we have computers and cell phones and different things. But on in these cell phones and computers, there's these silicone chips. And uh, when you when you when you boil it down, a lot of these silicone chips, uh, the first ones at least, um, were a compound and composite of earth or dirt, right? Because it can remain neutral, right? When electricity goes through it, et cetera, et cetera. But here's my point. At creation, the earth, the ground, um, the resources needed even for today's technology was already in place, right? Earth, dirt, which would later be formed into silicone and that type of th stuff so that we can have computers and how I can transmit this thing, you know, this podcast to you. Um, but um, we end up eventually using a resource that was here at creation. God created the earth and gave us the obligation and the opportunity to work with it to develop certain things, right? So yes, the steel and the gold and the water, you know, and it's amazing how dams and and uh, hydroelectric generators and all this is water falling, right? That's powering cities. It's crazy how because God has given us dominion and wisdom, we're able to use the resources in which God created. You know, they say airplanes, um, the study of aerodynamics really happened from man studying birds, right? And how they fly and able to take flight. So 
by studying and exercising dominion over the planet, we've been able to develop and use the resources that God has given us. Why? Because at the beginning, God said, hey, man, have dominion over the fish and over the sea. Uh, subdue the earth. Make the earth kind of um, take control over the earth, tend the earth. I also want to point out that we should also be kind to the earth, right? Be kind to the planet. Um, part of subduing isn't uh, subduing and have do having dominion. Like we want to be good kings of the earth. If that makes sense, right? <laughs> you know, you have to take care of your resources. Yes, you want to, you know, bend it to the will, you know, <laughs> but you do have to be a great leader and a great ruler of the earth by, you know, behaving, um, you know, I, I don't want to say green thumb or tree hugger. I want to say being responsible over the resources God has given us, right? So let us be good leaders of the planet as we take dominion <laughs> over the fish and over the sea and over the birds, right? So now this is all happening before sin. Um, so it's important that we work. Now, here's after sin, okay? And this is where some of us um, start our theology of work, and that's a problem. If you don't start at God being one that engaged in work and was productive, if you don't start with God has given us dominion and, and instructs us and commands us to be productive, have dominion and rule the earth well. If you start after sin, where, so here's what happened after sin. So as God is giving the consequences for um, disobedience, in chapter three, verse 16, the Bible says, and to the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain, you shall bring forth children, your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. And to Adam, he said, because you listen to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree, which I command you, you shall not eat. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles, it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to the dust you shall return. The man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Whoa! So we have a society that um, perhaps is trying to escape work and maybe seeing work as a curse of God. But like we mentioned earlier, God's example of work doesn't start at the curse. In fact, what we see in chapter three is how um, work became harder, right? God always intended for us to work, but the work at the beginning was, hey, be fruitful and multiply. Now, that same work of being fruitful and multiplied 
now is associated with pain and childbearing. That same work of being a helper, you know, being a helpmeet, that has become harder because now her desire will be contrary to her husband to rule over. Adam, you are to subdue the earth and tend the ground and keep it. Now it becomes harder because um, thorns and thistles are going to grow. So if anything, we should see this current um, um, dynamic of work is a result of disobedience to God. And now this becomes harder. The command to work didn't change. It's just that sin had added greater resistance to accomplishing the work God has commanded. That makes sense? So before the fall, be fruitful and multiply. Hey, the woman is your helpmeet. Hey, tend the earth, um, subdue it, have dominion, keep the earth and tend it. <coughs> After the fall, you know, you multiply, but it's going to be painful, right? Um, you're going to be, there's going to be strife uh, instead of simply a helping relationship, right? There's going to be thorns and thistles on the sweat of your brow. Now you're going to have to work. So instead of us being mad <laughs> with work and try to get out of work, because work is actually a good thing, let us be upset at sin. Let us be upset at the consequences of our sin, right? Because now when you focus the attention on what actually caused the problem, now we can create an environment or try to return to a place of connection with God understanding that work is a good thing and being obedient, right? Not operating in sin, but operating in God's righteousness and holiness to allow him to make work more enjoyable. Does that make sense? Uh, I hope you're getting this because this is really, like I said, I hadn't done a study on work before, but after going through this, I see, wow, it's not work that's the problem. I shouldn't seek to, oh man, I can't wait till I don't have to work anymore. I should seek to, hey, let me work in a way that is not under the influence of sin, is not one of shame and backbiting and opposition, but one of unity, but one of submission to my boss, uh, but one of seeking to use God's resources, whether it's wisdom or creativity or gifts. So we're going to get into uh, our calling and how we um, can look at finding productive work and, and really stepping into our calling. That'll be our next episode. But in this episode, we should try to get back to the positives of work. You know, when you do a good day's work, you actually feel better. Right. Like, um, you know, my dad would tell me there's nothing like a good day's work. When you come home and you've had a good productive work of taking dominion, either you're you're killing it on the sales floor or you've created something great or you've 
built a door or you've driven and dropped off labor or you've delivered food or whatever it is your occupation is, there is a joy um, in a good day's work, in a hard day's work. And Proverbs um, and throughout the Bible, that it confirms the positive outcomes of work. Proverbs 12, 11 says, whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits lack sense. I'm going to say that again. Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread. You know, I've been able to meet some successful people in my life. You know, uh, multimillionaires, uh, those that not only, um, and I don't want to just categorize success as, you know, uh, wealthy people, but people that have accomplished great works, started ministries, started schools, um, created a legacy, right? And one common denominator is they work, you know, successful people, most successful people deserve to be successful because they work. I mean, their discipline and commitment to accomplishing what needs to be done is work. And, you know, as I'm going through this, um, I have recommitted to being more productive during my days. Understand that it is a blessing to be able to work. It is um, I am like, I am operating in the image of God when I have a productive work day. And I too should be able to look at the end of my work day and look at it and say, hmm, that was good. I shouldn't be disappointed that, oh man, I didn't get anything done today, right? I should look back and be like, you know what? This was a good day's work, just like God did at the beginning of the creation. He will look back and say, you know what? <laughs> That's a good day's work there, right? Uh, and we should do the same. When we look through scripture, we see um, various examples of hard day's work or work throughout scripture. You know, in the Old Testament, when we look at the Levites, the daily sacrifices, you know, it's not very many. And I understand the Bible is a, a spiritual book and talks about the temple and stuff. We actually see the job description of the Levites. <laughs> so in their job description, in their daily task, we see that they had work to do. So um, uh, it's, it's interesting to see how God not only expects us to work, but for the Levites in particular, he gave them, hey, here's your job description. <laughs> so... Um, we look at other examples in scripture. We see that Ruth got Boaz's attention through her work ethic, right? So, and um, because of her kindness and her hard work, even as a poor widow, she would go out and she would work. So in that working, she would go, remember, you know the story of Ruth, she would go glean out in the fields. And it was through this that um, she uh, was out of the house got Boaz's attention, and was active and productive. We see David working, you know, 
conquering lands, leading armies is not easy, right? Somebody that's been in the military and had to lead soldiers and provide for soldiers and work with soldiers and so forth. I realize and understand that conquering a nation is not easy, but leading people is not easy. It is work. And um, Solomon labors at building the temple. So what I wanted to accomplish in this episode was to say that start your theology of work before the curse. Understand that God worked. Understand that um, even when the work wasn't directly related to people, it was still good work, right? So it's not just the spiritual work, the evangelistic work, the going out and witnessing or or kissing babies or whatever, but the working with your hands, right? The cutting down the tree, the mowing the yard or whatever it is, these are also valuable and viable extensions of God's image in us showing that we are to work, all right? So this is my episode today. This is episode, uh, as we're talking about work and careers, uh, hopefully this has been a blessing to you. Make sure you're following us on Instagram and TikTok, um, the Bible in real life. We try to show how God's, um, how the biblical worldview should impact us on a daily life. And today, uh, working is not a curse. Working is actually demonstrated by Christ, demonstrated by God the Father, and should be exemplified by us as his children. All right, this is Lee. You've been listening to the Bible in real life. Bye-bye, everybody.